Once more, saints of God, let's thank God for his faithfulness. If God has blessed you in any way, you are to praise his name. Every Sunday morning, I tell you, this is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be And the reason we're able to be glad is because of God's faithfulness, that God continues to watch over us. He continues to care for us because he indeed is our faithful God. Thank God for each and every one of you. Thank you, praise team, musicians, all of you who make up the body of Christ, those of you who are watching by way of the internet, those of you who are here in person. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. As we celebrate his goodness, as we continue to look intently into his word, that we might continue to be informed of God's consistency in being faithful. Because oftentimes there are challenges and circumstances of life that will cause us to wonder or to question whether or not God is still faithful. But the truth of the text and the testament of your presence is that God has been faithful and he's faithful in your life. Can you just declare it? Great is thy faithfulness. You're telling it to the Lord, great is thy faithfulness. God indeed is faithful. And as we go into his word and review these epic stories of the Old Testament, we are mindful of God who is faithful and who's always in control. I invite you to join me uh, in the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel, particularly in chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3 is where our message for the morning is coming from. And as you turn on your Bibles and turn in your Bibles or whatever your copy of God's Word, I invite you to meet me right there at that 13th verse. Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. For there we find the believers, the people of God, are in a precarious predicament. Uh, These three believers, young boys, uh, teenagers, uh, find themselves at a place of challenge where they have to make a choice of whether or not they're going to honor God or acquiesce to the conditions of their society. Are they going to honor God and be faithful to the God who is faithful or whether or not they are going to compromise their conditions? There they are. Their convictions, I should say. There they are in the third chapter of Daniel, beginning at the 13th verse. God's word declares, then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, then, then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, 
you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face had changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their, other, their outer garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent, the furnace overheated, and the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. If you still have your Bibles open, just review with me uh, these three teenagers' response to the king's command. There again in verse 16, they say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If our God... If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Look at what they say to the king, that our God who we serve is able. Would you just help me just for a moment and just minister to the person closest to you and just remind them, tell them God is able. You said that like you didn't believe that God was able. Would you uh, tell someone, if you have faith, if you have enough testament in your own life to declare that as truth, would you tell someone, God is able? Seated at home, tell somebody next to you that God is able. For Father, we stand in your presence under the umbrella of your grace with one request. That's who would speak. You would speak as your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. That is really the message. The message, the reminder, the information to help us make it through all that we're going through is that God is able to deliver you. And Stephen Convey's work, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He mentions uh, the testament of a sailor, naval uh, officer by the name of Crank 
Frank Coe. And Frank Coe tells of the story of when he was on a battleship and they were uh, practicing maneuvers in high seas. That this naval officer recounts that as they were practicing maneuver, maneuvers, the weather became inclement and visibility became down to nearly zero. And as night descended, the fog thickened, and there he was on the stern of the ship, noticing that the captain of the vessel had come out to keep a watch over everything that was happening. And there in the distance, the seaman reports to the captain that there was a light out in the distance that was shining toward their vessel, to which the captain asked the question, is it moving or is it steady? The seaman responds that the light is steady, which meant then that the vessel that they were on was actually headed to a collision course with what was in front of them. And so the captain then signals to the signal man to send out the message to whatever that vessel is to veer 20 degrees, to which a response came by way of light from the other side saying, you veer 20 degrees. The captain on the battleship uh, then stood and said, perhaps they don't know who I am. Tell them I'm a captain and I'm telling them, I'm, I'm a naval captain. I'm telling them to veer 20 degrees. To which, Craig, the light comes back in response. Well, I'm a second class seaman and I encourage you to move 20 degrees. The captain is now enraged. He says, I'm a naval captain on a battleship. You move 20 degrees. To which the light came back flashing, well, I'm a seaman in a lighthouse. You move 20 degrees. Uh, needless to say, they moved 20 degrees. But isn't it like that oftentimes as we clamor for control, control of our own lives to declare that we are in control. Some of you are hanging in the Janet Jackson era that you believe that you're in control. Some of you are hanging with, with Hunley in his poem of Invictus that you are the captain of your ship, you are the captain of your soul, that, that you are the declaration of your faith, that you're in con control. When the truth is, there's a control greater than your control. There's a control greater than any authority that mankind can ever create. That there is one, sits one, who's above all and that no one can overthrow. And that is God Almighty. Hear me well, because it's encouragement to all of us when you're going through life to remember that no matter what happens in life, even when you feel that you are no longer in control, or you realize that you really have very little control that you can take courage and confidence in knowing that God is always in control. Uh, some, some of you know that that's why you rest well at night. Some of you know that that's why you don't have to worry all night long because you realize that God has created the world and since he's created it, it continues to be because God never loses control. So why should God's people lose sleep? He's in control, and that really is the theme 
that, that really is the thrust of this divine writing that goes by the name of Daniel as God uses Daniel to communicate to the believers and unbelievers of the kingdom that it is God who has all power and who is always in control. And the way God chooses to communicate that he has all power and that he is in control. This speaks of God's sovereignty. The way God chooses to communicate or show off his sovereignty is in how he used his people. Now, I really want you to see this. Because the context of our text is that God's people are in a precarious predicament. If you're there in the book of Daniel and you follow the writing, you realize then that God's people, the children of God, the uh, nation of Israel are now in captivity. Once again, they are captive and they are being oppressed because of the sinfulness of their community that it led them into having to go into captivity. And yet, and so now they're in a bad place. They're in a predicament. They're in a strange land and amongst those who are of the exile are the three young men that were introduced to in chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Teenagers, boys. They are young men. They are teenagers who have been stripped from their culture, stripped from their community, stripped from their way of life, and have been thrusted in the cesspool of idolatry. Could you say they were in a a bad place? Uh, They were experiencing unfavorable circumstances because they are in a situation where their faith in God came under attack. Of course, the king, uh, by way of interpretive vision, was impressed to build a, a golden statue in his own honor, and he made a decree that everybody in his empire were to bow down the statue, to practice idolatry, to worship something other than God. And at the sound of the music, they were supposed to surrender to the culture. At the sound of the music, they were supposed to all bow down and give way to the sinful society. At the sound of the music, they were supposed to put down their faith and follow the crowd. At the sound of the music, they're supposed to give in to peer pressure uh, that's around them at the sound of the music because everybody else was doing it. These believers were being pressured to do what everybody was doing. Everybody else was doing it. So they are met with a choice. Shiny, good to see you. Everybody else was doing it. And yet they had to make a decision for themselves. And where you meet their story in this third chapter is that word got out that they refused to do what the seeming authority had commanded of them to do. Come here. There are times in your life where God will allow you to be in a situation that will come against your faith and your conviction. 
Because God wants to show and wants to see whether or not you have the conviction to stand for him if no one else around you is choosing to stand for him. God sometimes will put you in a place. Have you ever been there before? You might work there. You might live there. You might be there right now where God will put you in a place where everybody else seems to be ignoring the will of God and yet God is calling you in your home, in your workplace to see whether or not you'll stand for him when nobody else will. That, that's, that's really the context. And here they are, these children of exile, favored by God in an unfavorable place. Uh, that might be a word for somebody right there. They, they are gripped by God's grace, even though they're going through a difficult season. Oh, it's difficult. I hope you see it there. Don't just run past it. This is, this is a difficult scene in the text. Because now they're before a king who has already expressed that there is capital punishment for anyone who doesn't share his conviction. You thought the cancel culture just started. There's a king here who wants to cancel out anyone who doesn't do it the way he says it should be done. In fact, it's so commonplace that there's a furnace that is usually there for the execution of those who do not follow the will and decree of this earthly king. And yet these three boys stand in his presence and they see that the king is furious. And so he says he has control whether or not to give them, allow them to live or die, and they stand. He gives them an opportunity. Notice the text. He gives them an opportunity to bow down again. To, to, I'm going to give you another chance. Maybe you didn't hear the music the first time. Maybe you didn't get the email. Maybe you didn't get the decree. And notice the response. I love this text. Notice the response of the boys because their response teaches us something about how we're to handle it when we're faced with unpredictable odds, when we're faced with challenges, how are we to handle it as believers when it looks like everything is coming against us? One, we have to learn how to trust in God. Somebody say trust in God. That no matter how big the challenges that come against you, you serve a God who is greater than anyone or anything that can ever come before you. You need to trust God. Every Sunday, God is challenging you. Will you trust me? Every trial, God is challenging you. Will you trust me? And what we see in the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they were willing to trust in God who has ultimate authority and ability. It's right there in their response, Fred. Uh, my mind goes back to King James because that's what I cut my teeth on. And they said, uh, uh, they, said, they said, King, we're not careful to answer you in this manner. We're not careful to answer you about this thing right here because now what you're raising up is, is our commitment to our God. Look at their confidence. Look at verse 17. If it be so, O King, the God whom we serve is able. Somebody say that's confidence. They, 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 they have confidence that God is able, that God is able to deliver. But not only do they have confidence in their response, you also are able to see their faithfulness. Because look, they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve 
present tense, continue to serve in the face of challenge. Our God, who we serve are serving and won't stop serving, is able. And when you get to a place in your walk with God that you are so committed to God's faithfulness that even though you don't know how God will do what God will do, based on God, what God has done, you'll stand for him. Because here in the text, we know if you read on, we know what God does, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know what God would do, but they did know what God had done. Uh, let me work for a moment here. They knew what God had done because by virtue of their identity, they were aware of God's sovereignty. By virtue of who they were in God, they knew what God had done because before they were given these Babylonian names that we know them popularly as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their God-given names, parent names that had given them were names that honored God, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These three boys knew because even though someone else tried to label them. They knew the God that they believed in. Even though somebody else tried to typecast them, society tried to put them in a box, they knew the God who had created them. And that's something about what they knew. They knew he was able because Hananiah knew that his name meant the Lord is gracious. As uh, Michelle knew that his name meant there was no one like the Lord. Uh, uh, Azariah knew that his name meant the Lord was his helper. They knew and they had heard. Walk with me for a moment because these are Jewish boys of Jewish descent. They grew up in a Jewish community, so they knew something about Yahweh, the God Almighty. They had heard about God. They heard about God, how God is a God who can create something out of nothing because Moses wrote that he's the God of ex nihilo. He, he said, let there be into nothingness and nothingness became something. He is the God that is able to do. They had heard that he was the God who was the one who was able to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of Egyptian captivity. He was a God who was able to part the Red Sea. He's the God who was able to feed them manna and give them water in dry places. They had heard that he is the God who was able. They had heard that he's a God who's able when Abraham and Sarah stepped out to go where they didn't know that God was able to guide them into a place of promise and provision. They knew that God was able. Come here for a moment. Let me ask you, have you heard that God is able? Have you heard? They heard that God was able. Have, have you heard that God is able? Have you heard Hebrews 7 that says he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them? Have you heard? Have you heard 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter that says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. Have you heard? Have you heard Jude 1, 24, now to him who is able to keep you, King James says, from falling and to present you faultless. Have you heard? Have you heard Ephesians chapter 3 that says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or think. I'm asking you, church, have you heard that God is able? Because, Tom, when you hear that God is able, you're able to believe what God is able to do. This is why they're able to stand before the king. This is why they're able to stand on their faith, even in the face of 
of overwhelming odds where their lives are literally being threatened, they're able to stand. Ah, it's right there. Because notice in their declaration, they say they, they, they're trusting in God's ultimate authority and ability because I'm convinced that they knew that God was able to deliver even when the worst happens to you. That God is able to deliver. And some of us know something about doing a tour in the worst conditions. Some of us, if we're honest about it, know a little something about being in a situation that is so daunting that, that it, it would, it would, if your neighbor knew about all that you've been through, they wouldn't understand how you made it through what you've been through. Some of us in here know about being in that kind of situation, but these three boys knew that God was able to deliver them from the worst conditions. It's right there in the declaration before they even get to the fiery furnace. Mike, it's right there. Notice what they said. They said uh, to the king that the God they serve is able to deliver them from the threat of the burning fiery furnace and he will. I love this declaration. He will deliver us from your hands. How did they know that God was able to deliver them from the hand of of the king. How did they know that God would be able to deliver them no matter what the king threatened to do to them? I submit to you the reason they knew that God would be able to deliver them from the hands of the king is because these three boys knew that they weren't in the hands of the king. Mm, you're not with me just yet here. Because when you know you're in God's hand, when you know that you exist in God's hand, then that means that the hand of the deliverer is what's keeping you. It's what's holding you. It's what's gripping you. And saints of God, we need to know that no matter what the challenge is, no matter what we're facing, if you are in the hand of God, the devil in hell can't pluck you out. When you're in the hand of God, when you give your life to God, when you say, for Christ I live and for Christ I die, no matter what comes to you, you know that God's got you. Oh, come here now. You know I got a favorite daughter. And every now and then, mom, she reminds me that she is my favorite daughter. Everybody knows that I have a favorite daughter. No offense, fellas, um, but she is my favorite daughter. And so here it is. Uh, we were riding just the other day. Just the other day, we were riding. Baby girl, can I tell them what you did at T-Mobile? Is that all right? All right, here it is. Uh, we were, I, I always got to ask permission because I don't like to put their business out like that. That's kind of how you shouldn't be putting all your business out like that on social media. But anyway, um, I asked her, I said, uh, we, we, we headed all the way and she needed, uh, something was going wrong with her phone. Something was going wrong with her phone. And, and, and she said, Daddy, is T-Mobile open? I said, I, said I, I wanted to say no. I wanted to say that, but, but, but my integrity said I tell the truth. And so I'm like, yeah, 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 it's, it's open. She said, she said well, well T-Mobile, can we go by T-Mobile? Fast forward, we go into T-Mobile, and, and she had just uh, finished working, got, got her first, her first um, uh, it's not a salary, but she got paid uh, for, what she, for the services she rendered. And so she gets this, she has money in hand, but, but, uh, but, but her phone is broken. And then she goes to T-Mobile, and I said, but baby, you don't have enough. Mm, come here, come here, come here. Uh, I, uh, she looked all calm, like everything was all right. I said, I said, no, no. I mean, how much did you make? She said, uh, they pay me minimum wage, and this is how much I got. Uh, I said, yeah, but you understand that a phone costs more than what you, what you got. And she says, she said, but that, but daddy, daddy, that's all I got. She said, but I also got you. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand something. That when you have God and you're in God's hand, that you have him. And so no matter what you go through, you can rest assured that God's, she got a new phone too, but I'm just saying. 
God's got you. And so they're, they're in confidence. And here, you don't see God's hand just yet. You don't, you don't see God's hand as they're standing before the king. You don't see God's hand as they're being bounded. You don't see God's hand as they're being marched to the fiery furnace. And sometimes in life, it's like that, where circumstances will cause you to question whether or not God still has you, whether or not God is still caring for you, whether or not God is in control about what happens to you. You might not always see God's hand, but you can trust in God's heart. You can trust his faithfulness for you because even though they're being marched to the furnace, I see God's hand not in them being bound, but it's right there in the text where it says the strongest men threw them in and they fell down in the furnace. Are you in here with me? Because when you trust in God's ability to deliver you, no matter when the worst things happen to you, you can see that God's promises will be true for you. It's right there. We miss the miracle because we read too quickly. We miss it because here, the very flames that took out the guys who were throwing them in, the Bible says they fell in too. You missed it, didn't you? You missed it. Uh, uh, the guys who carried them up, uh, Baal, to the edge of the furnace, those guys got taken out by the flames, but the flames that took them out did not take the believers out, but those believers had to go through. Mm. You know, people look at us as believers and they wonder why is it that, that bad things seem to happen to good people. I, I wish I had a whole other sermon. But anyway, uh, as, as believers, the reality is sometimes God will allow, God will orchestrate, God will give permission for problems to come your way. But don't lose your faith when problems come your way because it's really just a setup. God is using problems as a setup to use you so that others might see his power through you. I hope you caught that. Here they're bound, and the very thing that was taking the lives of others is what God used to loose them. Ah, here, you, you're missing it. They, they went in bound, and the very fire that took other people out, God used it to liberate them. But not only did God use it to liberate them, God used it to demonstrate through them that he's a God who's in all authority and has all power because Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne. He's looking in the furnace, and he says, wait a minute, fellas. Didn't we throw three in? But lo, King James, I see four, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Here he is on the throne gets up off his throne and says, wait a minute, they're not in there by themselves. I know they're in the fire, but they're not in there by themselves. There's someone else in there with them. And hear me, saints of God, no matter what your fiery circumstances look like, there is someone, God Almighty, who's in it with you. Mm. Uh, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar sees them, and he says they're in the flame, they're unbound, and they're walking. I wish I had time here. Hebrew writer says this walking is not just a casual stroll. This is not, oh, I stubbed my toe kind of walking. No, in the Hebrew, this connotes their dancing. Come here for a moment here. That when God is with you and God is in the fire with you, you can dance in the middle of your struggle and storm. See, the music is telling me it's time for me to go. But I got to... I want you to get this because Jesus shows up in the fire. He's with them in the fire. And when he shows up in the fire, he transforms the furnace into holy ground. And you know it's holy ground because the fire didn't harm them. The fire served them been to you right now where 
you, you may be like me, you're, you're in the fire. And God wants you to know that he, he uses the fire to help you see him. He uses the fire to help others see him through you. The question is whether or not you are going to trust him. You can't stand all over the building because the latter part of this passage King Nebuchadnezzar calls out the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You all come out of the furnace. But notice there was one who stayed in the furnace. And that's the Son of God. And that gives me encouragement to know that whenever I get in the furnace, God is already there to be there with me. That God, yeah, he's with you. He's with you as you go through the fire. I hope you caught that. As you go through the fire. Because as you're going through, he's using you to help others know that he's the God of all power and authority. He's using you. So when others see you go through and they wonder how is it that you're able to continue going forward and you don't look like what you've been through, you can give testament, it's the God who is in you. For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He has all authority. So when Christ Jesus, the Son of God, came and resurrected from the grave, he said all authority is unto me in heaven and on earth. So when you come to him that who has all authority, then he's able to deliver you from whatever you're going through. Did you hear me? He's able. He's able. He's able. When you're not able, he's able. When others can't do it, there is one who can. And he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and he's able to give you rest. That's the rest we want you to know today. To know that whatever it is, in this moment, in this, this moment we have, this moment we have, let's, let's bring it to God. I said, I'm opening the doors for prayer. If whatever it is, come forward. Let's let's pray together. Let's let's bring that to God. Whatever the struggle, whatever whatever the trial, come on. Let's let's bring it to God. Let's let's trust Him that He's in control. Let's trust Him that He is able. Trust Him as you stand for God in your family. Trust Him as you stand for God in your community. Trust Him. Don't bow down to to giving up on God. Don't bow down to to giving in to society. Stand for righteousness. Stand for God and trust that God will stand for you. He's He's able. So bow your heads all over the building, Father. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, 
Of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.